back off. No, you back off. This is my swamp. Our swamp. Let go, donkey. You let go. Stubborn jackass. Smelly ogre. Fine. Hey, 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 come back here. I'm not through with you yet. Well, I'm through with you. Uh-uh. You know what? You is always me, me, me. Well, guess what? Now it's my turn. So you just shut up and pay attention. You are mean to me. You insult me and you don't appreciate anything that I do. You always push me around or pushing me away. Oh, yeah? Well, if I treated you so bad, how come you came back? Because that's what friends do. They forgive each other. So this morning, we are going to look at uh, adulting. And what does it mean to adult? And how did Jesus adult? And there are two takeaways that I want you to walk away with at the end of the morning. We don't necessarily spend a lot of time looking at the formative years of Jesus. If you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all record this a little differently. But we we have a birth narrative in two of the four Gospels. The other two do not have a birth narrative. And then in Matthew, we have where Jesus turns three years old. And we find out that Herod was going to kill all the baby boys trying to kill this new king that he had heard about had been born. And then after that, the next thing we find is that Jesus is 12 years old. So we go from three until 12, and then we see this example of Jesus as 12 years old. And then after that, you don't hear from or see Jesus in the Gospels until he is 30. And that is when he is well into his adulting and he begins his public ministry. Now, lots of scholars think different things about why we don't have records of Jesus' life from that time. There are other books of the Bible that were not canonized, that uh, are not contained in what we consider holy scriptures, that do have stories of his formative years. But scholars say that they, you know, couldn't validate whether or not those stories were true. So the majority of them voted to leave the books of the Bible out. But this morning, we are going to look at two things. We're going to look at when Jesus was 12, and then right when he began his ministry when he was 30, and what he did, how he did it, and how that is applicable to us today. Today's graduation Sunday, we had a myriad of college graduates, and we had six high school graduates, and they are getting ready to enter into a new phase of their lives. But I think once a year, it's always good for us to re-examine our own lives, our own principles, and morals and values for this thing that is now like a verb. I did not know it was a verb until last summer when our oldest finally had a real paying job all throughout the summer. And he called one afternoon. He was doing landscaping up in Boone before he moved universities. And he called and he said, this is impossible. And I said, well, what do you mean this is impossible? He said, I'm exhausted. I said, well, tell me more. He goes, I don't know. I don't know how you and dad did this all those years. This thing called adulting. Like I get up, I have to fix myself food and then I have to make sure I have lunch and then I come back and there's no supper ready. Like I have to cook my own supper. This adulting thing is exhausting. I want to show you a quote that one of the West folks shared with one of their friends. I have been putting a lot of thought into it and I just don't think being an adult is going to work out for me. How many of you have ever felt or thought that? Will you clap? 
I feel that way at least once a week, you know, that this thing called adulting. I look back now on those college years and they were so stressful at the time. You know, you had exams to write and papers to write, but all you had to do was like walk out your door and then there's all this food prepared for you and you could party, you know, at least three or four nights of the week and then study maybe two nights during the week and you're laughing because some of you did the exact same thing and then you realize, "Uh uh-oh, probably should have studied a little more. But, you know, this adulting thing where the responsibility of like, if you're sick, you have to go to the doctor and then guess what? When they diagnose you with an illness and prescribe you some medication, you have to like find a way to go get the medication. It does not just magically appear on the kitchen counter. And if you have a job and you get up and you go to your job and you come home at the end of the day, guess what? There's there's no magic food. You have to actually prepare it. So I, I feel some justification. So parents, if you're the parents of young children or teenagers, let me let you know that there is some justice in the end because they realize that, hmm, it is a little harder than I thought it was. So this morning, we are looking at adulting and what it means to adult and what do we need to be successful and happy adults. We showed you a lot of clips there at the beginning of movies, different movies that show different examples of friendships. And the one, Forrest Gump, clap if you've seen the movie Forrest Gump. Clap if you have not seen the movie Forrest Gump. Just a few of you. Okay, it is, a, it is a great movie. It is about that little boy who has some challenges that he faces and that was his best friend named Jenny and she reaches out to him and brings her into his life and then the movie traces the two of them throughout their growing up years and then even into their adult years. And one of the things that Forrest talks about is that he and Jenny were like this. Can you tell what this is? Peas and carrots. Now, I will confess to you, I had no idea what it meant to be like peas and carrots. Does it mean that they go together so beautifully? And, and that was what study showed that peas and carrots meant that they go together beautifully. And you know what? If you put them in here together, it's, it's difficult to distinguish them from one another. Now, when Jesus was 12 years old, he went with his family to Jerusalem. Now, when you were 12 years old back thousands of years ago, that was like the first time that you were really considered to be beginning into adulthood. Now, in today's society, we call that middle school, and we do not consider that an adult at all. But in Jewish custom, a 12-year-old was beginning adulthood. So there was this thing called the Festival of the Passover, and Jesus went with his family. Every year, this was a Jewish custom, and they went to Jerusalem. And I want you to hear what happens, because this is the last example we see of Jesus before he begins his public ministry. So listen to this. It is taken from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know. Assuming that he was in a group of travelers, they went ahead And they completed a day's journey. But then they started to look for him among relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, 
listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed as at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And he said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house. Now, if we interpret that literally, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? We assume that that meant the temple. But this morning on graduation Sunday, recognizing that this is probably one of the last times that we will be able to see you graduates here with us, I wanted us to look at that just a little deeper. Perhaps maybe not that phrase literally, but metaphorically. And then I want us to look at the next thing that Jesus did after that. And I think that is a good prescription with how we can adult successfully. The first thing was, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? Well, if you look at who Jesus considered his father to be, God, and if we understand that God, I'd say this a lot, but I'm going to say it again. God is not a physical man on a big throne on top of some fluffy clouds. God is a presence, an energy, a divinity. So when he says, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? Think back to when Mary found out that she was going to give birth to a child and he was going to be the Messiah, the Savior, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. So when Jesus says to them, he's recalling that. Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? I would be immersed in God. God's love. So yes, literally, he's there in the temple, he's studying, he's listening, he's talking, but did you not know that having been born God with us, I would be totally immersed here in my father's house in love? So college students, it would, or high school students and college students, it would be my hope And everyone hears hope that when you leave and you go away to college, that you would find a faith community, that you would find like a church that you would go to. But I also know and remember what it was like to be in college. And finally, I found this thing called the Wesley Foundation. And there was this amazing network of friends. It's where I met my best friends. It's where I met my future spouse. And so on Saturday nights, we would still do normal college student stuff. But then on Sunday mornings, we would get up and we would go really early to the 845 service at Boone United Methodist Church. Now, I would love to tell you that that's because we were just so, so immersed in Christianity and didn't want to miss a Sunday. But really, for me, it was that Baptist guilt in the back of my head that you had to be in church every single Sunday in order to be a good Christian. And the fact that Makoto's, which was this amazing Japanese restaurant, would do this lunch deal. So all my college students, we would get together, we'd go to church, and then we would be first in line at Makoto's so we could have like a $6 lunch that was really, really good. But we did immerse ourselves in the Father's house. But more importantly than that, we immersed ourselves in a community of love. And that's what my hope and West Hope is for you as you enter into this next phase of your life. And for those of you who are here, it is my hope that you'll do sort of a re-examination and a re-evaluation on your friendships this morning. Uh, According to the next few criteria so that you will live and abide in love. And living and abiding in love is not something that is always done singly. It's really important to have friends. 
over the last several months, Josh has been getting testimonies from West folks, hearing how West has made a difference in your life. And one of the things that is consistently shared from people that have found themselves a place, a home here at West is that they have met other friends, whether it's in a small group or serving on a missions team, they have made connections with people. So as you enter into this next phase of your lives, you're going to have this opportunity to reclassify your relationships. Your high school relationships won't be the same. If you just graduated from college, your college relationships won't be the same. As we go through life, we enter into new chapters and new, new time periods. And when we do that, we, we have an opportunity to re-examine who we are, where we are, and then I think, and I think scripture says, that for us to be happy, we do what Jesus did. And so that's where we fast forward to where Jesus is 30 years old. Remember, we find him at 12 and in the temple, and then at 30, if you read the gospel of Luke, the very next thing that Jesus does after he goes to the temple and has that interaction with his parents, we find that he is baptized. He is then tempted, so he goes away to the wilderness to sort of regroup and figure out who he is. And then the very first thing that he does before he begins his public ministry is he calls people to follow him. And they end up being his best friends. So if we look at the life of Jesus and we model ourselves and our own lives after that, I think in order to live lives that are full of joy and hope, peace and love, we do what he did. We immerse ourselves in God and love And then we find ourselves friends. And friends, high school students, are not the people that just invite you to go out and party and get drunk on Friday night. Because those things are pretty superficial. Now, they can be acquaintances and, you know, I'm not advocating for getting intoxicated on Friday night. But I also haven't stuck my head under a rock and am living under a rock. But those aren't your real friends. The real friends are going to be the people that hold your hair back when you have gotten drunk at a party on Friday night. They're not going to, and if I've offended you, I'm sorry, I'm an equal opportunity offender as a pastor. But this is my one shot that maybe they're listening to me. Your real friends are the people that are going to be there for you no matter what. Fast forward to 45 years of age last year, uh, Scott had an emergency appendectomy and ended up in the hospital and then ended up in the hospital again in Charlotte because of a pretty severe infection. Friends, when you're an old woman like me, they're the people that show up at your hospital bed. They're the people that are there that you don't necessarily have to talk to every day, but they just show up. So when you are making these choices, over the next several months and, and years of your lives. Look at what Jesus did. He would, he would go find people and he would say, hey, follow me. And they would drop everything. They dropped everything that they were doing. They walked away from their families. They walked away from their livelihoods and they followed him. Now, I'm not saying that that literally is what you need to look for, but look for people that are gonna put you first, not last. And look for people that are going to like you and care about you unconditionally, even if you make them mad or disappoint them. Just like uh, Shrek and Donkey we're talking about in the clip that we saw just a minute ago, forgiveness is a foundational principle of friendships. 
because relationships and friendships never go unscathed. They're always gonna hit bumps in the road, but whoever you choose to be with you and love you needs to be someone that is gonna be with you through it all, crossing those hurdles and overcoming those challenges and then facing what happens in the end. You know, when we look at the last years of Christ, especially when he was healing people, those last three years, the disciples, his friends, were immersed with him all the time. It's like they, they lived together in this, this community. And then they would divide and go do some healings and then, and then come back together. So can you imagine the bonds and the community that was built during that time? There's one specific example I want to share with you as we come to the closing part of the message today. And it gives a beautiful example of what friendship really is. Jesus was teaching in Jerusalem and people were starting to talk about all that he was saying and doing. He had created quite a stir. And so the different gospels, as they do, sometimes contradict themselves. One one gospel writer says that he was in the home of a wealthy man. Another gospel says that he was just in a home with a thatched roof. But regardless of what the rooftop was like, Jesus was in a home and he was teaching the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders. So tables are turned than, you know, when he was 12 years old. Now he's the one teaching. And there was this man, he was a paralytic, which meant that he could not walk. And he had four friends. And so they got him on this stretcher and they carried him to this home in downtown Jerusalem and they bring him to the door. And guess what? Jesus is there. He's teaching. All these people are wanting to hear what he has to say. And so there's no way in. And so instead of being deterred by the barrier that presents themselves, their faith and their love is so significant that they find a new way to get to Jesus. And so they climb up on top of the roof, and whether it was tiles or thatch, who knows. But the bottom line is they dismantle the roof to lower the man in. And Jesus doesn't do any, you know, hocus pocus or magic. He, he looks at them and he says, your faith, your faith is great, and you've been forgiven. And we continue to read that the man was healed. Those are the kinds of friends that we need to look for in our lives. Friends that are going to overcome burdens to help us. Friends that see hurdles and are not deterred by those, but instead are determined to find a new way. And friends, just like the friends that Jesus had, even though they, you know, they'd mess up every now and then, friends that were loyal to the end. So I have a special guest here this morning that I wanted to introduce to you. This is a new definition for me in my life of loyalty. Come here, buddy. Rico. So this is Rico. Oh, Rico, dude, now listen. I need you to make this closing point. Back in December after Lane got her rescue dog, I was at PetSmart and a part of the West Community, Tyler Antrican good job, sent me a text and said, hey, come by PetSmart. We're here with the animal rescue today. And I did. And 
I had no idea I had this affinity in my heart for chihuahuas. And here's Rico and his brother Pancho was there. And he just looked lonely. And so I didn't tell Scott for like a week that I adopted this dog. And Tyler and Drake kept him for me. But uh, lo and behold, I got a rescue chihuahua. Now Rico, come here. Come on. He loves me. I want to say probably equal with my children and my mate. (laughs) Maybe not, but he sure acts more loyal. Sorry. (laughs) I go out the front door and then I walk back in and I hit him. I have to now be careful to not give him a concussion because when I open the door, he's always right there. And then no matter where I go in the house, he's just literally one step behind me. Think back to that initial example that I told you about this morning when Jesus said, I am immersed, I'm in my father's house. He was immersed in God, all all in, and God is love. So whether you're a high school graduate or a college student or an adult that is new to adulting or whether you are someone who is seasoned at adulting, to be happy in life and to have joy and peace that were promised in scriptures, let's try to find ourselves in our Father's house, immersed in God's love. Not necessarily at church, but I'm always an advocate for that, but just live in love. And don't do life alone. Find a friend. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are a God of friendships. And that is the hope that we have to live our lives at one with you and at peace with you. Because you allow our paths to encounter people so that we will live lives of love and hope and happiness. Thank you for teaching us what it means to be a good friend. And God, thank you for being the ultimate friend. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, that's what drives West is so that the world will know that they are not alone. If you're a part of this faith community or a new part of this faith community and looking for a way to build community, we have small groups and we also do this thing every Sunday night other than holiday weekends called Crafted Conversations. We meet tonight at 6.30 at Ghostface Brewery downtown and over a beer or a glass of wine, we talk about principles of faith. It's a great way to meet some new people and, and feel a little more apart of the faith community and hopefully start doing life together. Thank you for choosing West. May you go in the peace and the hope of knowing that we have a friend for life. Amen.